186? Sure. <laughs> Right, I'll fucking know. <laughs> For the 186th time, this is Seeing the Elite, a friendship podcast. I am your host, Bryce Reed. I am joined by my friend, my co-host, my tag team partner, Mr. Jonathan Davis. How's it going, buddy? We were talking right before we went on about STE, uh, STG4 Volume 1, which went up. It's uh, uh, <laughs> JD it's- and, and Alejandro just... Uh, Losing their minds together on uh, on <laughs> on podcast uh, again. I, I, for people who listened to that episode, more of our attempts to sort of expand what this thing is, and the hope is that uh, you know, while we're in this situation where we don't really want to keep this thing to uh, a specific day coming out, specific times coming out, uh, and and we don't want to be so dogmatic about keeping to a schedule and whatever the hope is that we can put out enough content that it kind of makes up for the fact that it like comes out whenever, you know? Um, yeah. I, I think one thing we, we're going to have to figure out though is, is a re- somewhat of a schedule for recording. Absolutely. I mean, for just my, for the sake of us both being adults. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it, you can say like, Oh, I don't really want to have a schedule or whatever, but then you, you look at it and you're like, well, Everything else in my life is set to a schedule. So uh, yeah, I we might as well, you know, we just got to pick a day. If we're both feeling it, we record. If we're not feeling it, we'll do it next week. <laughs> right, right, you know. <laughs> um which will probably be be this day if we can make it happen. Probably be Tuesday or Monday or something like that that we end up. Yeah, Monday or Tuesdays those work tend to work the best for me. Yeah. Um, yesterday would not have. So yesterday was a fucking miserable day. <laughs> uh, tell me about it. I actually I can't. <laughs> uh, it was it's, it was work stuff. I it, we had a, a, a bit of an issue, and it was just it was my first day back at work after after everything. So already you know a little shaky. You know mm. confidence is low, and then we had this this thing happen, and as we're more people are getting on this this call. I'm just getting more and more anxious and stressed out. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Uh, we have so much to get through, so many questions to get through today. The community was very generous, even though I gave them like what, 10 two minutes? hours, basically. <laughs> oh, not even. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to do it. Uh, but we have some questions to talk about. I want to start out with um, Johto Cow's questions. Which, if I remember correctly, you're going to have to get me on the exact wording here. He wanted to know about the, the Last of Us stuff. Yeah. Okay. So we'll go. With, uh, this one's pretty much all you because I haven't watched this at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're halfway through the the first season of The Last of Us. How are you feeling? Actually, no. We're we're almost done with the first season, but it's almost kind done, of. Yeah. Uh, how are you feeling with the show with only two episodes left in the first season? That's the first question. Yes, and I want to answer both of these questions. But the first question is fairly simple to answer i think they've done a great job with some aspects of the show um if i had a major complaint we're more than halfway through we have finished episode seven there are nine episodes in the season i think he was going for if one game to one season as halfway through right uh 
Yeah, I so that's the biggest takeaway that I have so far is that if you are to look at <coughs> source material versus showtime as a resource management uh study, they have their biggest weakness as a show has been resource management. Uh they have spent way too fucking long on things that don't really matter all that much and as a result have had to like rifle through kind of really bigger parts of the story which is not good we have reached the end of episode seven and we're not halfway through the game time but we're a little over halfway through the game time and so they're probably gonna make a second season out of the first game no, I mean I can't imagine. I because I'm sitting here going like if you don't if you don't get to the end of the first game by the end of this season, you fucked up. Like big time because every the way the story is structured, everything leads to the moment at the end of the game and if you don't do that and finish that, it would be like doing the first season of uh of invincible and not having the moment, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, you I, know, I, like if you, if you do a season of an invincible TV show and you don't get to the moment where, uh, Omni man says, what would you have after 500 years? And invincible says you like dad, I'd still have you. Like if you don't do that moment, you fucked up. That's well, not, you're not like, you're, you're not getting a second season, right? Mm-hmm. Like you didn't do the thing that you were supposed to do. And, and when it comes to the last of us, it's the same way you need to hit the ending at the end of the first season or you fucked up. Um, and, and that worries me. Now we do not know the, uh, off the top of my head, at least from the research I have done, it is not possible right now for us to know the episode lengths of the last season. If they make some reasonable edits and, the last two episodes are an hour and a half and two hours long, respectively. I don't they see can, that happening. They can do it. They can make they, it there. They didn't um, even have two hour episodes with Game of Thrones, so I, I don't see that happening. We'll have to see what goes down. Yeah. Even if they're maybe both an hour and a half long and edits are made in sensible places, you can do it. But like, we're at the point now where... um. Yeah, I'm. I'm worried I guess about, we kind of. I guess we kind of should have said at the at the start. Uh, spoilers. Yeah, I mean, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm fucking worried about resource management at this point. You know, like it was really. I to some extent understand uh, the decision to spend the entirety of episode three focusing on a rewritten uh, homosexual love story with. Uh, Bill as a character. Bill is a queer character in the game. It's not so much a rewrite of what happened there, except that they make Bill less of a fucking dick, which he is in the game. And it's uh, his ending is a lot less uh, beautiful in the game. But uh, to spend that much time on a character who doesn't really impact the story that much. And then to find ourselves this late in the season being like, we are running out of time and we need to cut songs is, uh, 
that's not good resource management when it comes to your source material at all. I understand the reasons for doing this. It got them a ton of publicity and it was really important to establish early on that there are queer characters in the show and that we're not going to be afraid to tell queer stories. And it was a good move because it was a good episode that meant a lot to people. And it showed them that like this show at least for this first season is going to be about love and there aren't going, you know, there are going to be episodes that aren't just vaguely walking dead vibes and we're going to do sort of new original stuff. Now it is kind of baffling as we get through episode seven, because episode seven is a big departure to tell yet another sweet queer love story, you know? And so it's like you already had one of those and then whole cloth invented one of them to put at the head of the story that in hindsight feels like a complete non sequitur to everything that was going on, which wouldn't be a problem if we had 15 episodes in this first season, but we don't, we have nine and we are running out of time and it's very stressful because I, you know, just like with the first season of Invincible, I am like, I want to see how they hit the moment, you know, because the show lives or dies on whether or not they hit the moment. Now, how much the show is going to live or die in the future anyway is up for debate because they're fucking, they're going to run out of source material very quickly. But, uh, but it is, you know, I, as we sort of approach the end of the season, I am, I'm worried about the resource management. I'm worried about the time. And I think anybody else who is has an absolute right to be. Um, yeah, I, I, I know exactly what you mean. Um, Cause I, the big show, the chief intern and I've been watching, or we, we finished it now, but the interview with the vampire, the remake of, of the, the book, right. We went into the series like, okay, one book, one season, because there's, there's a lot of those fucking books. Mm-hmm. And come to find as we go through the season, it's what first book is going to be multiple seasons. And they have they've had to change things around to make that the show flow better. And it actually is working a lot better because uh, I love interview with the vampire. But that first novel is very stiff and, and and a lot of things like that. They so they changed the timeline around. It's instead of being uh, antebellum Louisiana, it's. It's this um the jazz age, which fits yeah. so much better for all of those characters. Um, so yeah, it's a very similar thing. I don't, I don't know. I haven't watched The Last of Us, but I know those those fears that you're having is like, I don't know how we got a lot to cover if you're going to end the story at or end the season at this point, right? Yeah, um, I, and I'm worried about it. And not only have we gotten through season seven, and season seven was mostly the Left Behind DLC, basically verbatim. Um. I mean, it's kind of that's the thing with The Last of Us is like this should have been really just this is a gimme home run because the game is so cinematic already. The game is so cinematic already. And I was sitting there the other day with Sean and we were talking about it because Sean's been coming over to watch on a weekly basis. It's a nice, uh, you know, we're both adults now, but we live down the street from each other. And so it's nice to have an opportunity outside of our work together to just hang out, you know? Sure. Um, and so he's been coming over to watch and uh, my feeling the other week was like, this is not for me. Like this show is not created for me. Like it's there. No, it's, it's created for the people who have heard gamers talk about the last of us for so many years. But are people who, who 
you know, don't have the inclination to play video games, which is a lot of people or people who don't have the, you know, the learning to play. Like we don't, I think we don't realize it as gamers, but like we've been trained forever to do this stuff. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we really have, and like you, the muscle, muscle memory we have for playing so many different types of games, like, you know, us as 30 year olds, yeah. If we were to start playing video games right now, we would have such a struggle. Yeah, watch a YouTube video about someone being like, "Hey, I, you know, I tried to teach my wife who doesn't play video games to play video games." Like, watch her try to deal with moving a character and a camera at the same time. Like, it's like, <laughs> what? What? Watch this. I made my wife play Dark Souls. <laughs> yeah, like there's so many of those, and you watch it, and like it. Yeah, the, there are fundamental things about how to operate a video game that are, that are just clear to us, and I don't have a problem doing that because I was. I've been trained for it. I've been raised for it, you know? And so it doesn't bother me to play the game and the game's always going to be there. So if I want that story, I can just fucking play the game. And uh, what I will say is I think that the show has nailed some things much better than, um, than the game does. And it should, you know, in hindsight, if you have the ability to rewrite a story, it fucking should. And it fucking should with, you know, better actors, Troy and, and Ashley and them, they're all great actors or whatever, but like, they're not fucking screen actors who have given their whole life to this thing. They're fucking voice actors and, and they're sort of reined in by the technology and stuff like that. So I I have heard one of the biggest complaints is the, the actress that plays Ellie, that she doesn't emote very well. She's fine. I find the biggest issue with her is that there's a lot of characters she needed to have great chemistry with that she doesn't really have great chemistry with. Yeah, um, that happens. And that sucks. But, uh, you know, nobody knows the, the sort of behind-the-scenes struggle that struggles that went into making this thing happen. Bella Ramsey's fine. She's doing a fine job. Pedro Pascal's doing an incredible job, but Pedro Pascal, surprise, still fucking incredible um and there were did you see this thing floating around the internet today no oh this is um biopic for eddie guerrero just put pedro in it oh yeah i'm down i i don't think that story would be the oscar uh the oscar bait that people think it would be it wouldn't Um, but for us Let's yeah, do it. Let's fucking cool. do it. <laughs> it'd be really cool, but it is, you know, he, he dies of a heart attack from drug use. Like it's not, you know, it's yeah, like, but it's, it's fine. Pedro's already had his head literally squished in. Sure. Sure. No. And I think he'd do a great job with it. I think he's done such a wonderful job as Joel. And there are two sort of like huge moments in the video game that I think are actually done better in the show. First is the conversation that Joel has with um, uh, with his brother, Tommy. I think Pedro did so much better. So much better, in fact, that when he later flips on that decision, uh, his, his reasoning for doing so is uh, really pretty weak. And it's like, yeah, but I don't... You're, earlier, you were saying some, some stuff that made a lot of sense. So, um, and then the the final like confrontation where they finally start being like okay we are family now uh between pedro and uh uh, ellie that last argument that they have in in the house um is done better in the in the show than in the game as far as a performance standpoint goes 
which they needed to nail. And there's a couple of moments coming up that they need to nail if they're going to hit him before the end of the season, which again, they fucking better. The second question regarding The Last of Us was uh, what again? Um, okay, so Small Cal is playing through The Last of Us Part 2 and is enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, our Jodo Cal was wondering, what is wrong with Part 2 of The Last of Us? Spoilers for The Last of Us Part 2. There were a lot of arguments. It was really controversial when it came out. I ended up coming down on, I think that game has a lot of problems with it. They're not the problems that most people um, seem to associate with people who have a problem with that game because it, it became so divisive that it was like not only like you either like it or you don't, but you either like it or you don't, and you either don't like it for the right reasons or you don't like it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, I've I've seen that. Very, there, there's two camps. There's people who are like 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 us who have or more like you who have played through the game and have issues with gameplay and some of the things that are done in the game yeah mainly like the second half of the game right which a lot of people are have justified criticisms towards Mm -hmm. and then there's a lot of people who are just like upset because it's a queer character there are yeah because there are queer characters and there are um vaguely transgender characters there are specifically transgender characters as well and I don't have a problem with any of that, especially because The Last of Us has always been um, a series that is comfortable talking about queer characters, about ha- uh, focusing on queer stories. It's great. It's wonderful. It's one of the best things about the source material. Um, but I had significant problems with the writing and execution of the second game. It's worth noting at the head of this discussion, and I've had to have this discussion recently with uh, Brother Tony. Brother Tony, re- he play- He finally played The Last of Us after the show started and piqued his interest, and now he's moving on to playing The Last of Us Part Two. and I was like, I am going to tell you a handful of things because I think you knowing them ahead of time is going to improve your experience because your expectations will be set properly, and when things happen, you'll be like, okay, here we go, instead of like, where is any of this fucking going? Okay. <laughs> okay, so... Th- Third third problem with The Last of Us Part 2. People had their expectations to the moon. Yeah. And that was a big problem. Sure, but a lot of mistakes were made. Sure, um, but I that that is a side problem. It's right. not a critical one, but that does play into it. Um I I I I'll speak about what I've heard and this is from streamers that have played The Last of Us Part 2 and they really that no one really cared about the the characters and the story stuff. Right. It was really the second half of the game playing as the character who was, I, I believe, the villain. Yes. And repeating the entire story from their point of view, and it's like I don't give a fuck about this person. Yeah. So so here it's so the biggest thing that's worth noting is that the second game is twice as long as the first game. It's yes, literally for, it's twice the amount of content. But for the wrong reasons. Correct. So you play the first half of the game as Ellie. She's on a revenge quest because uh, Joel has been murdered. It was brutally murdered, too. Brutally murdered. Yeah. Yeah. Really Yeah. Poor Pedro. Right. (laughs) So she's on a revenge quest 
to uh, to find the person that killed Joel and to kill the person that killed Joel. Great, cool, sick, uh, rad. Um, and so for about twelve hours, which is about how long it takes to play the first game, if you're not speed running bust, it, busting through, uh, having played it a hundred times, like I have at this point, like it takes that long to play. And uh, for the entire duration of that, you're playing as Ellie. If she goes on this quest in Seattle, Washington, I think to, f- to find this person and kill them. Uh, you get to the climax of that happening. And right as that fight's about to happen, you then switch perspectives to, uh, and shoot backwards three days to the beginning of when Ellie arrived in Seattle. And then you play an entirely separate eight hours, roughly as the bad guy that you've been chasing this whole time. The idea being like, okay, now you see it from their perspective and hopefully we can sort of make you sympathize with this character, which it's worth noting for some people worked. The trouble is, a couple of things become really difficult to take depending on the type of person that you are and the way that you view this world. And I think it comes down to the level to which you value human life uh, in a world that doesn't anymore, right? Um, and the level to which uh, you know you are able to the level to which the magic trick works on you, you know, sure. Um, because it's a bit of a shell game. It's a bit of a hoodwink. Um, and the problem is the execution of the shell game and the hoodwink are not great because you should ideally, if you pull that trick, see one story affecting the other fairly constantly, right? Um, like you should see the consequences of Ellie's actions kind of constantly affecting Abby's story. The trouble is the way that the game's written, you don't. In fact, you don't even really see Ellie's impact on Abby's story, even having played through Ellie's story until like the last two hours of that. So you spend six hours of this game playing as a character you don't care about doing things that don't really seem related to the story. Meanwhile, the whole time it kind of seems like they're trying to be like, see, Abby's not really a piece of shit person. The trouble is every time she encounters a character that is supposed to be one of her friends, one of her friends is like, you know, Abby, you're kind of a piece of shit person and I don't like being (laughs) around you. Um, And so it's difficult to gain sympathy for a character when every time you meet somebody who would know her better than you, they're like, they're all just like, I don't like she's a piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of a a writing mistake, I would say, to have that, you know, and you don't want it to be all sunshine and roses and have everyone be like, you know, you really are a great person. But you still murdering Joel thing. That was like an outlier for you. But you definitely don't want every character who would know better to be like, you're a bad person. Uh (laughs) You just need you need like you need one. Just the one person who's like, yeah, you're all right. Yeah, I'm really not sure about you, to be honest. Uh, But you're all right. Everybody else (laughs) seems kind of fooled. But I'm, you know, I'm skeptical about who you are as a person. 
<laughs> that and you also there's like a whole scene where you fight like a very resident evil type boss in a, a the basement of a hospital that's like what the fuck are we doing here and it's got like a goofy uh, name they call it the rat king and stuff like that it's all just like what yeah the fuck, oh man? dude i remember that fight because i watched a few streamers rage because it's like <laughs> Oh, great. 2022 game. I'm playing. I have normal controls. Oh, cool. It's 1990 fucking seven. Uh, Tank controls are back. Hooray. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> fucking it's uh, it's real. So I replay The Last of Us all the time. I mean, the last time I replayed it was when was recently. I've right now for the show, right? I've now replayed the remake twice. That's how much I've played that first game, mostly because at this point it's pretty mindless. I can put on a record and just you know, shut my mind off and play the game. Um, but, uh, and so I replay the first one all the time. I have played the second game one time and I have no interest in returning to it. There are so many points in that game where I'm like, if this is where this game ends, what a fucking joke. And then it gets to the end of the game. And I was like, man, if this is where this game ends, what a fucking joke. And then it did boom beyond that. Like, (laughs) So the the issues with the Abby story like kind of echo throughout the whole game because the whole game the idea is like cycle of vengeance bad right which like okay I guess but like don't the problem is it's a naughty dog game and they don't really give you any choice to do anything you have to play the story out the way that they want you to play the story out you're not given an option to do things uh, ever and so doing that the story- was my big problem with the Uncharted games. Right. Doing a story where you hand ring someone for their actions, but also force them to do those actions in order to progress is like, well, then, like, I just wanted to what? finish the game. Like, don't oh, it's hand just ring like- me for doing shit that you forced me to do. That, Like, that's, that's as shitty a writing device at, for me as, like if a story intentionally misleads you and gives you bad information and then pretends that that's an appropriate way to do a twist. Right. And you go, well, you, you fucking told me the wrong thing. That's not a twist that I can go back and be like, Oh man, how did I not see that? That's just you telling me the wrong information. Like that was my, did you see, um, once upon a time, uh, 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 last night in Soho, I think it was called. No, I I was I was going to watch it, and then I saw that it's mostly a, like a, a horror movie. It's, like it's like a giallo movie. It's it's uh, yeah, which I'm probably so, pronouncing incorrectly, but it's like a mystery horror thing. Yeah, yeah. I I want to watch it. I was just not in the right the right mindset at the time for any type of horror stuff. It's worth watching, but the biggest flaw in the movie is that they do that. Like they straight up they show you some shit that didn't happen, and then when they're later like this is what really happened, it's like. Well, okay, but you but, showed me it happening the other way, so that's why I was confused. Oh, that's great! <laughs> like, you can't. Yeah, it's not You'll, that the hmm. reveal is not. It's not like, oh man, how did I not notice? Because I fucking you told me the wrong thing. That's how I didn't notice. You know, <sighs> and so uh, that <laughs> those are in a nutshell my issues with the last of us part two it's twice as long as the first one but for content that really doesn't feel like it's related at all which again resource management neil Druckmann, uh, you know shades of of the show that we're going through now that he's also heavily involved in like he's just not great at editing himself it's also a bit of revisionist history that he uh 
even wrote the first game. It was written with another another guy who's not involved anymore. And, and you know, like, so there's there's a whole lot of just murkiness around around the good parts of the series and how much of that is really due to Druckmann specifically. Um, and, yeah, and he's, he's a lot what, like... Having seen what he's written since, uh, my guess would be probably probably less than most people would be comfortable with. <laughs> uh, well, he's a, he's a lot like Kojima. Is like, Kojima is brilliant guy. Absolutely brilliant. Right. Needs a fucking editor. Mm-hmm. When yeah. you let Kojima go out with no guardrails, you get Death Stranding. Well, I mean, even before <laughs> Death Stranding, like... Uh, Metal Gear Solid Five Metal, was Metal a Gear, disaster. Metal Gear Solid Five supposedly is an incredible game for, like, the back 50 hours. But that first well, fucking the, the four second hours, one, the, Right. The second game, I've heard, is great. Yeah. The first one, absolute dog shit. You know, but and, also a lot of people who, who I know and talk to a lot are like, with Metal Gear Solid Five is like I never wanted this game, right. I never needed this game. You finished the story in four, right. everything was great, yeah. and now you want to come back and insert some some prologues into this that I didn't ask for and I don't need. Well, man, if that's if that's the secret to anything, you know. I do want, you know, I want to talk um, about a couple of things. Uh, I I still haven't gone to see Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, Quantum Mania. Um, I do not think at this point that I will in theaters. I'm just going to wait for, it'll be on Disney Plus soon. Yeah, I think that'll be another one that I miss in theaters. It once again had a pretty historic drop-off following the... um, Following the trend of the last few Marvel films that have not not even the not even the last few Marvel films like uh, the other two Ant Man movies like you have the the Die Hards but it's even more than that though like the last you know I I think it was something like five of the last six uh, Marvel movies that came out are like the five uh, like least grossing when adjusted for inflation Marvel films or something like that. Like, like at this point it's easy to sort of track the data and be like, Oh, like if this isn't like the beginning of the end for this being a big deal for people, like it's definitely a slump that they're in. And having seen a number of these films, like I get why, I, you know, I feel like it was really, really, I, it was so really very important for them to come out with the first few projects after Endgame and set the fucking hook. And for some reason, they felt like they had the opportunity there to just chill and do some more casual content. And it was absolutely the wrong fucking time to do that. Uh, in hindsight, and I understand, you know, people have their own ways about this. I'm sure Anthony would vehemently disagree. Um, I, I I disagree, but for a different reason. I, I disagree because they they wanted to try things, and I think that was fine. Mm-hmm. What really hurt them and what hurt the, every, every industry really was the pandemic because sure. they had a, a very tight timeline. Mm-hmm. And then when the pandemic happened, that timeline got, you know, fucked to hell. They couldn't re- they couldn't film the movies. The TV shows that were now coming out out of order. The movies were coming out out of order. So even before you look at things like um, Chadwick dying, 
they were on the their back foot trying to right the ship, so to speak, and make everything go back to like we have a plan. We have to make this plan work. I don't. But, I don't think it would have made a difference in the long run. I mean, like I think it would have made a small difference, but I think I still think that they had way too much. I they think Disney Plus too, also hurt them a lot. I, it certainly did. I think, you know, I and I think they're learning that now. They're certainly learning it with Star Wars, too. Like, they have, in the last couple of weeks, come out with both Star Wars and Marvel and been like, I think we're doing too much with these, and I think people are exhausted. Um, in, well, in Star Wars just came out. Right. Uh, yes, and they are going to, but they have talked about scaling back future projects for both of oh. these. Uh, well, yeah, but well, yeah, that, and that's fair. I think I I agree. I think they they over overproduced. They kind of saturated the market. Yeah. Um, and it's just part of it. Like it, it's it's just business, really. Like you see something that's hot, you you crank it out. I mean, it's fucking it's AEW. <laughs> Like, I mean, it's not just it's, it's it's literally AEW like we had the same issue with it where it was like, you know, and, and and you can sort of hide behind the idea of like, well, if you know, if it's too much for you, you know, just watch the ones that you really want to watch and, you know, pick your own level of investment. But like, if I'm going to choose, <laughs> if I'm going to choose to be invested in something, I want to be able to be fully invested in it. And so I don't want there to be a new Disney Plus series related to Star Wars in some way coming out every fucking couple of Six weeks months. or months or whatever like that's crazy that's so much and oh, it was the same way with AEW when it was like oh we're gonna do a two-hour show on Wednesday and then we're gonna do a one-hour show on Friday and then there's a four-hour pay-per-view on Sunday and it, it like and you know BTE and like all this stuff and it's like you know like fucking can we just like have a thing we'll take to a step watch? back and I'm really interested to watch this pay-per-view coming up, not to talk all about wrestling, although I think we have a couple of wrestling questions uh, to answer at some point. But like, I'm really excited about Revolution coming up. I haven't watched an AEW show since uh, we quit the podcast, right? And I am fully ready to put to test the theory, like, is wrestling better if you just watch the pay-per-views? Uh, uh, I mean, WWE certainly was because, yeah. I mean, and for the reason of they were every three fucking weeks, you didn't need to watch the rest of the show. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, uh, like the best bits are going to get put in a video package before the match anyway. And you're going to see them all fresh and be like, that was fucking sick. That was fucking sick. And then you see the match, which is fucking sick. I, like, I'm excited well, about that. I mean, and you and I both have many friends who only watched wrestling once a year to watch WrestleMania. Right. And they got all the information that they needed to know during the show. Now the show was eight and a half hours long, but you know, they, they enjoyed it because that was their one night a year that they watched wrestling and, you know, had a party with it. Is football Um, better if you just watch the Super Bowl? Maybe. No, no, it actually football. No, it actually isn't. I've tried. I've tried that many years. It, football is not better to if you just watch the playoffs because <laughs> you have no investment in sure. in anything. Um, now, hockey, hockey's definitely you can do hockey just watching the playoffs. Because and I, I here's why I, I can make the argument: football playoffs, it's one game, right? That's it. Yeah, hockey playoffs, every series, every round is a best of seven. 
<laughs> so you get involved and it's like, yeah. oh shit, it's game five. They can pull it out right now. <laughs> um, I do want to talk briefly. Creed 3 is coming out on Friday. I expressed reticence to see it on the last episode of this show. I think I'm going to go on Sunday I will be. and watch it. I am upset about Stallone not being there. I am upset about his feelings about the film and that he said, I won't watch it because of the feud he's having with this producer, which rightfully so I would be in the same boat. If, I, I would do the same thing yeah. under the same circumstances. That being said, I want to support Michael B. Jordan and his opportunity that he has here to to make this movie. Um, I hear that it's great. And I rewatch Creed and Creed 2 ahead of potentially going to see this movie. And it is worth noting that I had forgotten that the end of Creed 2 does kind of give a, a pretty good send-off for Rocky as a character. And so while I have heard firsthand reviews that there are a couple of scenes in in Creed 3 that are like it's weird that Rocky is not here if in this moment. Um while that's true uh and if that's true okay uh the end of Creed 2 gives what I think is an adequate send-off for the Rocky character. And as long as Creed Three continues to maintain what I think are like sort of the fundamental essences of that series, kind of exploring the um, the non-toxic parts of masculinity and uh bro you're watching a fucking boxing movie that's not a thing maintains the uh <laughs> maintains the sweetness it's not i mean rocky's not a boxing movie or a boxing series like boxing is in it but it's it's about how sweet that character is um in so many ways and sweet and respectful and deep and um it's about how any struggle that you get into that seems like it's with an external force is really a struggle with an internal force. And, uh, it's shockingly deep. The Rocky series is shockingly deep and shockingly wonderful. Um, and I'm excited to, uh, potentially, you know, uh, go, I want to go through it again. They finally put out or are putting out 4k releases in like a week for Rocky one through four. Um, which is the first time that the director's cut is hitting physical media, um, which is awesome. Uh, the director's cut for Rocky four, unfortunately, Rocky five and Rocky Balboa are not included in the 4k set reason being that it has leaked that Stallone intends to recut those films as well, uh, sometime soon, which is great for five. Uh, Balboa's I don't know. already good. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know about Balboa. I think you should leave that one alone. But yeah, Rocky Five needs some help. Rocky Five needs some help. Uh, not as much as Four did. You know, like 
Thor needed some fucking help. The fucking robot I mean, and shit. I disagree. I disagree. Have you watched the recut? But, you got to watch the recut. The recut's so good. Um, oh no, because it was it's they put it. They did that one night in theaters, and then it was like not available it's anywhere. Been on, it's been on PVOD for a long time. Um, oh, so well, you I don't, can't you can't get yeah, it on. I buy movies on yeah, YouTube okay. and stuff like that. But it, it's finally coming to disc. It's worth watching. I like. I'm rebuying this thing on four. I have the collection on Blu-ray. I'm rebuying it on 4K, both because if they did a good transfer of, of the first movie on 4K, I'm sure it's gorgeous. Uh, and second, uh, because I'm I want the director's <laughs> the director's cut on disc. Yeah, it's uh, fair because it's so good. And uh, if they're recutting five, I think that's a good idea. Basically, Stallone went back and he's like, "When did I start doing cocaine? And uh, can I recut those movies?" <laughs> after? Well, let's see. When was Rocky One put out? <laughs> well, he didn't direct Rocky One, so there's that. Yeah, but uh, that's when the cocaine started. And <laughs> um, the '80s, you know, and uh, and so hopefully he gets a, a more grounded, more sensible version of Rocky Five out there, and I'll have to buy that. And I'm sure that there will then be a new 4K collection with all of them included that I have to buy at some point. But uh, nevertheless, Creed 1 and 2, fantastic, worth revisiting, um, really special, and especially really special if you watch the first six Rocky movies, too. I mean, like, I, to the point... I don't even those, think you have to watch all six Rocky movies. I would, though. They're all good. Like I know you five. should, but, like, to, to watch Creed 2, like, really, you just needed to watch the first four Rockies. Sure. Uh, Rocky yeah. 4 is very important for Creed 2. Rocky 4, <laughs> I mean, Ro- Creed 2 is a direct sequel to Rocky 4. Yeah. Um, to the point where I would say, uh, you know, I consider Creed 1 and 2 Rocky 7 and 8. Um, oh, see, and that's kind of my, I, and we talked about this last time, my real problem with Creed 3 is that this is a boxing movie and you could change the names of all of the characters. Right. Nothing would change at all. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see. I mean, I haven't seen the movie yet. so Right. It's just like of what we have seen in the trailers, it's very much that it didn't have to be Adonis Creed mm. doing this. You could have replaced him with another boxing character, and you probably could have told 80% of the same movie. Sure. And, and what's nice about... What was nice about Creed one and two was the history of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I I do think it's funny that Michael B. Jordan has uh, cited Dragon Ball Z and Naruto as heavy influences for the film. Supposedly, so, according to I think I saw Stuckman's review or whatever, and I don't love Stuckman as a reviewer, but he reviewed it, and the only thing he could do was shoot a hot creamy load over the anime influence because he's Stuckman and that's who he is as a person. Um, so that was basically the only thing his review uh, mentioned uh, was the anime influence. And uh, I suppose that I'm excited to see how that shows up in the movie. <laughs> I know. I know one of them. Is, there's a flashback to young, uh, young Donnie Creed. Mm-hmm. And he's in his bedroom, and there's like Dragon Ball posters, there's Robotech posters. Right. So it's like full on, okay, cool, kid was a nerd, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah which is, which is, uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they sort of deal with that with the timeline of 
the original Creed movie with him sort of coming out of foster care and stuff like that. But maybe this is like a point after that when he goes to live with um, Apollo's wife. Cosby's and, wife. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Uh, Aunt Viv. Hey, man. I saw, <laughs> she's the only, that's that's Cosby's wife. That's the only right. thing I know her from. Yeah. Uh, and so <laughs> it's, uh, well, uh, I'm excited to go and see the movie. I like going to, you know, the local theaters um, within walking distance of my apartment. So the novelty of like going to see movies is great. It's, it's, it fucking, it rocks. Uh, and so I'm excited to go and see that probably Sunday or something like that. I mean, so. I maintain you're going to see the wrong movie on Sunday. Op, you, I should go to Operation Fortune. You should go to that or Cocaine Bear. Uh, you know, Cocaine Bear, I've heard, doesn't uh, fully deliver on the concept, sadly. Um, well, I mean, it really happened, but what really happened is the co- the bear ate a fuckload of cocaine, tripped out for about twenty minutes, and then died because his heart exploded. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I've heard uh, that it could have been executed better. Unfortunately, I do want to see Operation Fortune too. I didn't realize that was this Sunday. They sort of like they were like, "Hey, it's coming out." Oh, um, well, that whole that whole thing just came out of nowhere entirely. Yeah. Uh, Operation Fortune being Guy Ritchie's new movie. It stars Jason Statham, of course. Um, it stars uh, Aubrey Plaza. Uh, Josh, Josh Hartnett, Hartnett. Josh Harnett. Uh, Carrie Elwes is in it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. Uh, great cast. And uh, I typically l- really like Guy Ritchie's stuff. Even like uh, Wrath of Man, I thought was really pretty good. And um, you know, Rock and Rollo was pretty good. Rock too. and Rollo was good. Lockstock is great, of course. Snatch is fantastic. Pinnacle Li- live yeah. action Aladdin. You know, <laughs> he made it. He's the one who did that. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, you believe that shit? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> what? Did you ever watch The Gentleman? No. Dude, you need to watch that. Is that a good movie? It's a Guy Ritchie movie. I bet. I'm surprised that you didn't haven't seen this one. This is the one with fucking Matthew McConaughey and Charlie Hunnam, where they're they're pot dealers and they're trying to sell their their pot to these various other pot warlords. <laughs> Dude, I, you got to watch this movie. <laughs> I am. And we pop in one here. I. Oh, that uh, was disappointing. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was trying to. I was trying to think of what I wanted to say. Like, you know. Um, oh, uh, uh, John Wick 4 being three hours. Excited about that. That's coming out the same day as the Resident Evil 4 remake. Um, busy day. Uh, I mean, this year is pretty stacked on video games. Yeah, yeah, a lot going on. I haven't, you know, I've been trying to find something to play and I inevitably get halfway through playing a game and then I'm like, I don't want to play this anymore. Like, this is too hard or this one level, the mechanics suck in this or whatever. I just don't have the the stamina to push through things anymore. I don't care anymore about... Uh, Congratulations, you're now an adult. Yeah, about finishing or playing games and i have about an hour before i get bored doing it now yep 
it's adulthood. You have all of the disposable income and none of the time or interest to play the games. I don't even have all of the disposable income. It's worth noting because this this Las Vegas trip is looming. Let me tell you. Well, yeah, yeah, but that's because you're planning a Las Vegas trip, so you don't have the the video game income. No. But normally, you have the video game income, and it's just like I don't have time to play any of the four yeah. games I just purchased. I will buy and play Resident Evil Four. That's what I'm excited about. That's a game I replayed endlessly, and so it, it it'll be exciting to see a remake of it, especially because I have I loved the remake of two. And I really liked the remake of three and I like f- the source material for four way better than I like the source material of either of those games. So I'm excited to see what they do on the new RE engine with Resident Evil four, uh, a game that I love. So I'm looking forward to playing it, but it is coming out the same day as John Wick three. Yeah. I go see the movie and then play the game. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully- oh, I mean, I, I- I'm glad to hear that you're not totally sucking Sony's dick right now with their absolutely asinine VR headset. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I really haven't been that invested in it. I mean, they're... Um, I, I got a lot of problems with it. <laughs> I haven't... I would love to talk about it because I really haven't been privy to any of the information. I was never going to buy it anyway because... Uh, I've been really let down by the development of of that technology there was a time when a handful of really excellent experiences came out that are absolutely worth playing the quest 2 is a fantastic machine if you can get one and keep it working um which is not hard you can they're everywhere not yet yeah, they're everywhere they're ubiquitous they're fairly cheap they're great um it's great for like a handful of experiences super hot is incredible to play uh pistol whip is incredible to play resident evil 4 vr is the best version of that game hands down and it's not close um there that's, you know thrill of the that's fight really been the kill you thrill of the oh, fight. God. <laughs> oh my god i'm so fucking tired right now <laughs> oh my god you know like there's there's a handful of wonderful experiences to be had on there but there's been about one game that comes out a year that's like you need to play this and that's not fucking enough okay it's not enough and, and it's it's really not i agree 100 just especially to continue supporting this technology is really not okay so problem number one that i have with the psvr2 mm-hmm. it's 600 dollars. yeah it's too much it's too the, much for what is an accessory that doesn't doesn't work on its own. Right. The the VR headset should not cost as much as the console. It costs more. The console costs 500. What well, same it's pr- the you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I'm just I'm trying to yeah. trying to accentuate your point. It costs $100 yeah. more well, than the console 50. that it needs it's, in order to function. It's it's 550 if you're just buying the headset. It's 600 if you're buying the the bundle. But why would you not buy the bundle for the exclusive game, right? For this co- this headset, which is Horizon Call of the Mountain, right? Uh, so that's problem number one. Is it's way too fucking expensive? I don't mind the controllers. I'm glad that they actually built working controllers for this, not that yeah. shitty PlayStation Move thing that never right. worked. Yeah, they got rid of the camera bullshit that never worked. Yeah, 
So those two points I like. The other part of this that I'm really having an issue with is Quest is Quest Two was like we paid like two fifty three hundred dollars three hundred dollars retail. It might have gone down since then. But okay, when it first so, came out it was three hundred. Right, so we'll say three hundred. So half the price already. Yes. You can play it completely standalone. Yes. Or you can plug it up to a computer and play any PC VR game. Yes. You cannot do that with the PSVR. No, you can't. You cannot plug it in. If you plug it into the, your computer, your computer will not recognize it at all. Yeah, that's because crazy. That's crazy the, that that's not allowed. Some of the po- podcasters and stuff that have already gotten you know early accesses tried because... Right. If I'm paying $600 for a fucking VR headset that's not a, a Valve Index, might as well see if it's going to work on my computer. Right. So that's those are my two really big problems with this. Is And the third problem is none of the PSVR 1 games are compatible with the VR 2, so you have to rebuy everything. Go fuck yourselves. Now you're just being greedy. Yeah. Um, it's a problem. It's... Uh, now, I knew pretty fair, fairly early on that I wasn't going to buy this thing. I had had, because I have had... You have you a know, VR headset? Because I have a VR headset. Not only do I have a VR headset, I have the best-selling, most ubiquitous VR headset. The thing that did, everybody develops for because it has the biggest install base and therefore the biggest attachment rate. And Did still, you ever play with the, the, VR, the PSVR one? No. So I, ha- I borrowed one from a buddy. He has yeah. one. The co- Oh, my God. The cord was terrible. But it was having that hooked up to your PlayStation via your PlayStation 4. No, I had a lot of problems with it because I wear glasses and it did not sit right. Right. Um, and you're talking about gamers. A lot of them wear glasses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, this it's just. This is the biggest fuck up. Yeah, I mean, it. My my biggest thing is that I already had a VR headset. It's the most ubiquitous VR headset, and I still feel like there's not enough software for it. So why would I then buy? I mean, the there le- really the is more expensive, less ubiquitous headset that's going to have less things developed for it because it can't attach to a PC, and it, and you have to, to have rebuy it. all of your content. And I have to. I mean, I wouldn't have to rebuy all the content because I didn't have any of the content in the first place. But still, yeah. I mean, like if I wanted to play any of those games, I would have to. Even if it looks better than the Quest, the Quest Two or whatever. Like I think gamers have kind of definitively proven that that doesn't really matter to them all that much. I mean, the Quest Two itself had a worse screen than the Quest One, but it was a hundred dollars cheaper, which put it at three hundred dollars. So it was like, yeah, you might as well. You know, if you have 300 kicking around, you might as well buy this thing and kick the tires on it and see what's up. Um, sure. Uh, and from what I've talked to of folks who have had multiple VR headsets, like there there was two paths that you took. as you, And it's kind of this. It's very similar to like a 3D printer. Uh, you got the Quest 2. That was your introductory three VR headset. If right. you liked it, you either went to like the Oculus Pro the the vive pro right or the index mm-hmm. if you had the space to support those devices right and that's always been the biggest hurdle to me with vr is you got to have a big fucking room well i mean like the important thing to note with the quest 2 is that you don't even need to plug it into your computer anymore Right, like you the don't. streaming works well enough that you can just stream to the fucking headset if you have a yeah. decent internet connection. 
Um, but your, the quest, your PC needs to be hardlined. But yeah, the Quest Two needed some to do some things that needed to solve some really big issues for the technology, and it did for the most part. Inside out tracking needed to happen. It they needed to figure out a way to make inside out tracking happen, and that means instead of having sensors that you place all around your room, it's all done from the headset out. And your headset recognizes where the walls are and things like that. That needed to be the case. The technology would never have moved forward without that. No. The price needed to come down. And they did that. And uh, the wire needed to fucking go. It needed to go. See, because I'm the whole idea behind the technology is immersion. And if you are constantly cognizant of a wire in your space that you cannot see and that is not a part of the immersive environment you are supposed to be in, you are constantly being broken of the experience. Can you get over it? Yeah. Is it a constant immersion breaker? Also, yes. Um, it, it can depend. The, the original PSVR, it was an immersion breaker because that cord was huge. Mm -hmm. It was essentially a power cord. Right. Like it was the same length as like, or same with as your power cord for your computer or your P PlayStation, whatever. Right. With the Quest 2, and it looks like with the PSVR 2, it's much closer to being like just a normal USB-C cable. Even then, though, man, like you have to be cognizant of how far you are away from your computer, mm -hmm. of whether or not you're getting wrapped up in it. Like these are all things that need to constantly be in your head that are forcing you out of the reality you're trying to accept brain-wise. Yeah, I mean... That's overall. That's a v bad VR, thing experience. Well, it, 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 overall, VR technology has a long way to go if it's yeah. going to be viable. I personally, I don't think it's ever going to be viable how people want it to be because people see, um, what's that fucking movie? Ready Player One, and that's what they want. Mm. For that that's kind of technology, anyway. yeah. For that kind of technology, we're thirty years away from that. Sure. And that's a very generous estimate. Right. More more realistic is 50 at least. Um, yeah, I mean, if we make it that long. Um, yeah. You know. Um, so, yeah, you know, generally, uh, when they first talked about this thing coming out, I was like, oh, man, uh, good luck. Uh, that'll be great for the people. You know, that'll be something that, at the very least, hopefully the game's media will get behind in a big way like they did and for they the first haven't. one. <laughs> yeah, that's the sad thing is that they haven't. But for the first one, you know, they were there for it. And then, yeah, they didn't sell a ton of units for it. But they're investing in a technology that may be the future. And I think it's foolish not to do that and not to include that in your gaming console in some way. Like, I think it's wildly short-sighted of Microsoft to not be more heavily invested in the technology because there definitely is something that can be there. And I've said many times before, I don't think games are the answer. Just like I don't think, you know, like, I think well, games can be like what porno was for VHS. You know what I mean? Where, like, yeah, yeah. that... Uh, and and Blu-ray. Right, and, and DVD and Blu-ray and stuff like that. Like, that's what gets the hardcore early adopters through the door, you know? But at the end of the day, like, that's not, you know, in the same way that it also helped with video streaming on the internet more than yeah. anybody likes to admit, like figuring out the I video mean, streaming problem was a problem that was figured out 
so that porn could be on the internet yeah, better. Basically. You know, yeah. Like uh that, you know, it drove the market just like it did for VHS and DVD and and Blu-ray. And so, uh, and the way it still does, although not so much for 4K, I don't think anyone's like, fucking, give Nobody, me the 4K but, discs, you know? Um, well, <laughs> they started that, and then they realized how much of a bad idea that was, so we kind of just moved past that one real quick. But the way porno does for VR, I mean, if we're being honest, like, it, porno is also driving the VR headset sales, and if you've ever is, done porno on the Quest 2, it's a wild experience, brother. It, it's fucking... If, <laughs> if you find the the right setup and the right video, it's it's weird. It's weird. <laughs> it is. Uh, uh, it is. Yeah. I mean, you put the thing on, and you're like, like you find yourself instinctively reaching for things in front of you because, like, it's that fucking vivid, right? And if you're lucky, and you're you're at, you're by yourself, and your girlfriend's not there fucking with you and smacking <laughs> your hands away. <laughs> uh, it's uh, yeah. It's a whole. I think that games can be that for VR technology, but I think the the be all end all for VR for VR technology is virtual ticket sales. Um, is virtual being able to buy yeah, a, I mean, front, we, a front row ticket to WrestleMania without actually being there, and you're talking at a reasonable volume over a heads over the internet with your buddy who's also in a front row a quote unquote front row seat at WrestleMania, you know what I mean? And then you take the headset off and you sleep in your own fucking bed. Like that's great. You well, know? yeah, we we've talked about that right. quite quite a few times. And it's it's true. It, it really is. Um for as for Microsoft, they have done not for the in the gaming side, but they have yeah, they've they been working on their path. own thing forever. Uh, well, they went through. They went for ho- more augmented reality with Hololens, right? And it's it's kind of at the same point as VR is. It's just kind of it stopped because there's not a lot of buy in, and the Hololens like setup for developers is really really expensive. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you you shot shot yourselves in the foot here, mm-hmm. but. Sure. Do we have more questions? Let's answer more questions. We have, yeah, we got a. I mean, we got a bunch. We're really, we're gonna have to save some of these for next time, obviously. Sure. Um, let's see. I'm just gonna bounce around because I know we're gonna save some of these. Mm-hmm. Um, for you specifically, from uh, Chaos Professor Omega. Now that you've become the cuddle king, does that diminish your porn expertise or is it the best of both world situation? I mean, I think I've just proven. Yeah, you really did. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can you can do two things. It's fine. A man fine, a man yeah. can have two uh areas of study. You could be a, um, a connoisseur of multiple items. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh from New Day, our Chaos Penguin. Mm. What is the best movie snack? Popcorn, nachos, or other? Somebody Which said is, pickles, right? Somebody straight. Yeah, that they pickles. they went down a log path in in this thread about pickles and are being we talking in movie about theaters? The, like pickles in a bag that you can buy at the fucking. 7-Eleven? Yeah, and you're you got. I'm just gonna say this: if you're eating fucking pickles at a movie theater, you got problems. There's if something you've never, wrong. With if you. you've never whole hogged a pickle in front of someone as a bit, highly recommend. Very funny. Um, I have not. I don't like pickles. (laughs) Uh, The best movie snack. Let me tell you. I went to the movies. I think 
I can I can honestly say popcorn is not the best movie snack. I went to the movies the other week. I watched Living. Did I talk about this? No. I went to the movies the other week. I watched Living. I had never been to the movies with a date before. That's great. I can see the why people dig that. Um, it's fun, isn't it? Yeah, it's fun. It's yeah. fun. You're watching a movie and cuddling and stuff. It's nice. And we went to see Living. Uh, Quantumania was out. I did not. We did not choose to go to Quantumania because it doesn't look very good, quite frankly. Uh, and the choices that were given to me was Living or Tar. Tar seemed more oh. musical. Seemed more like something I would like, but they were only doing one showing at like 3.30 in the, the afternoon. Fuck? And hard no. So we went to yeah. Living. Living stars Bill Nighy. Uh, I like him. Who, yeah. Uh, who, you know, most famously Shaun of the Dead Hot Fuzz for me would probably be where I, uh, where I pull him the most from. Um, Under, uh, underworld for me. Yes. Uh, and Living is a remake of a, a like British transposed remake of Ikuru, uh, which is one of Kurosawa's like late era masterpieces, um, which stars, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name. It's the other guy who's not, um, Mifune. Uh, yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, uh, I'm, try- <laughs> I'm trying to remember his name. I don't want to not. Uh, I don't want to not because Kurosawa had like a handful of dudes that he, that they just show up in all his movies. He's like Tarantino, you know. Um, Guy Ritchie, Guy Guy Ritchie, another one, uh, or you know, a Kugler, like fucking. Michael B. Jordan's in like 12 Kugler movies at this point. Shimura, uh, Takashi Shimura, uh, is the actor uh, who, pl- and Ikuru is maybe like his most famous role, with the exception of, you know, he's in Seven Samurai and he's in uh, Throne of Blood to some degree. And, you know, so like he's in those movies alongside Mifune, but his like sort of like seminal piece with Kurosawa is Ikuru. Uh, which translates roughly to to live. Um, and the idea behind living, spoilers, is uh, it's this guy, he works at like the planning committee for uh, this the city that he lives in, London. Um, the city, he works at the city planning committee and he gets diagnosed with cancer. They're like, you're going to die in like six months. Okay. Can't watch that right now. <laughs> right, yeah. And uh, so he's sitting there. Uh, he gets diagnosed with this. He's like this really straight-laced older fellow. Basically, life doesn't really exist outside of his job, but he doesn't appear to really take much joy in it. He kind of, you know, things come across his desk and he kind of puts it on the pile and it's like, yep, yeah, I'll get to it whenever, you know. Um, and people... Uh, you know, like he, he has a nickname at work, which he doesn't find out till later. It, people call him Mr. Zombie, you know, because he just, he doesn't really appear to have much going on other than like, you kind of feel like he goes home after work and then just sits in a chair until bedtime. 
Um, and that's probably not like a terrible representation of him. Even his, his son and daughter-in-law who live in his house with him are like, yeah, I mean like that's what that dude is. So he gets diagnosed with cancer and spend like immediately stops going to work because he doesn't need to work anymore. He's been left a, a, a good money from his wife. He's been living below his means for a long time. He, he's got maybe six months to live according to the doctor. So he just no call, no shows work for like, cause fuck it for like three yeah. months. Cause fuck it. Cause he's going to die. You know, um, he, he meets up with a stranger and tells this to this strange guy that like works or, or is visiting a bar. And he's like, look, I came out here when I found out about it. Like I bought a bunch of sleeping pills. I was just going to kill myself, but I want like I I want to spend this time having a good time before I go. But I'm coming I need to ask for your help cuz you seem like a guy who knows how to have a good time and I I don't. Like I fucking don't. And yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you 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 told me about this cuz 100% cannot watch this movie right now. <laughs> and they go out on the town and they have a good time and then the the guy ends up realizing that like he feels guilty about this being what he's doing with the rest of his time because of who he is as a person and that it doesn't make him feel good and that you know maybe that's a problem that he should examine but maybe he doesn't have the time to examine that that's a problem with him psychologically and maybe he just needs to do what would make him feel good with the time that's left and so he goes back to work but doesn't focus on anything that he doesn't really give a shit about and pours all of his work instead into like making projects happen that he thinks are going to be positive. Uh, and he doesn't tell anybody about it. He like full on uh, like Norm MacDonald uh, like doesn't tell anybody about his condition and uh, just works on this project that crosses his desk that is these three ladies from in town that are trying, cause it takes place in 1954. They're trying to turn a like bombed out area into a playground for the children. And he basically pulls every string that he can and is the kindest person that he can be to, to fucking make this thing happen before he goes. And then he goes and the rest of the film is about people trying to like understand like understand did he know what was happening like did he you know and basically everyone comes to the same conclusion of like he must have that's why his behavior changed in this way that's why he pushed through these things that he otherwise wouldn't have done and we should take that as an example to be to to ask ourselves if we only had so much time left like what projects would we focus on you know and then, you know, the movie kind of breaks your heart in the last 10 minutes because it, it goes forward six months and then you see, you see that, you know, they sat around in that moment and sort of talked about it and said like, let's make a promise to be like him in the moment. And then six months go by and they're back in the same routine because that's the way life is, you know, like you yep. just sort of, you, you tell yourself you're going to take the lessons and then if you're not careful, you're just back in the same rut again yep. until you absolutely until need to be, you know, until, until the, the next one that, that happens. Um, right. Yeah, I'm, I know, I know exactly, exactly that feeling right now. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, that's it's one of, it's one of those hard things. It's it's something that one of our, our other friends who also had a loss recently, like almost like a couple days earlier. So we've kind of been really bonding over this losing a parent together because mm-hmm. like we both know what you're go- what we're going through right now. This right. is it's hard, you know the the hardest thing. Um, but we were talking the other day, and it's like life still goes on. Yeah, even though you're sitting here and you are destroyed. Mm-hmm. life is still going on. Life still moves on. And it's hard that you're sitting here. I imagine, I don't want to say that I know, but it's, uh, but I've, you know, I've had traumas before and the, and the hard, one of the hardest thing about traumas is that you're immediately in that moment forever changed as a person. And you kind of expect the world to change with you and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's the same. Yeah. And the only thing that's changed is you. And there's a fair amount of guilt that comes along with like the recontextualization of my relationship with this world has fundamentally changed how I feel about it. And it's, it's, it can feel like it's your fault, but it's not, but it is like the world didn't change. I changed and now I have to deal with that. Yeah. And it feels, I feel responsible for that. And you shouldn't, you know, because it's not your fault, but it is your problem. You know, that's hard. Yep. And uh, so the movie, it was a lot about that. I recommend it. I do. I haven't personally seen Ikuru. Um, I do know that this movie lifted a lot of the famous imagery straight from that movie as well. So I imagine if they're straight up lifting imagery, it's probably pretty close script wise as well. I don't really know the value in transplanting Ikuru from Japanese to London and changing not a whole lot about it. Um, But again, I would have to see the movie to compare whether or not I think there's really any value in doing it. At the end of the day, I kind of saw it as like, almost like a play, you know, like Mm -hmm. a, like a West end version of a Broadway show. Like they changed some things about it to make it West end. But at the end of the day, it's just, a it's just a different perform or like, you know, like, uh, uh, the Macbeth with Denzel or whatever. Right. Like that sort of idea of like, it's just, it's another company doing the same show basically, which I, you know, I guess that's, that's, kind of cool and as far as bastardizations of kurosawa work goes i mean there's a long history of of that being a lot worse (laughs) there's so many of them uh so i you know i thought it was cool and it was cool to be there at the movies and to answer the fucking question um i uh i i bought a uh i was like do you have a cookie with peanut butter in it and uh, they were like, oh, yeah, we got one of those. And they gave me a cookie with peanut butter in it. And let me tell you, halfway through that movie, when I busted open that peanut butter cookie, baby, uh, it hit just right in a big way. Um, but it's popcorn, obviously. It's fucking popcorn. I mean, what, what are we I, talking about here? Uh, it's not popcorn for me. What is I, it? Reese Pieces? Are we talking Reese Pieces? I right do now? like Reese's Pieces. That's usually what, what I go, get when we go to the movies. And mm-hmm. really, because... I, I do enjoy popcorn, 
popcorn at home is better for me because it's not so there's the movie theaters that we go to especially down here if you're getting popcorn you're getting you know a, a about a quarter inch of salt oh yeah uh, butter, I too. can't do big that. Big butter, baby. Big butter energy. Yeah, I, I'm more of a the muted butter and salt on my popcorn, so I, I don't like the that as much of it. So have you ever uh, taken I, have you ever taken a Reese's PC and poured it into your popcorn? Not Reese's pieces, but I have poured M and M's in popcorn, oh, and man. that's wonderful. It's great. That's some that's some good shit. <laughs> I, um, I found this thing at the store the other day. It's a, a pre-packaged, it's called a candy pop, and it's where they <laughs> make the popcorn and then pour the M&Ms and then sprinkle chocolate over it, Oof. and it's already just pre-packaged. I got a bag of that, and I was like, okay, let's try it out. Let's see how it is. I, I'm expecting it to be gross. Right. I sat down on the couch. I was watching Bob's Burgers. I finished that fucking bag. Oh, man, I bet. That's and I'm amazing. just sitting there, and I was like, shit. <laughs> I... <laughs> My blood sugar is probably through the roof right now. Oh, yeah. I can't buy any more of this. I was expecting, <laughs> you know, I bought the bag. I was like, okay, this will be a snack for a couple days. This right. will be great. No, one sitting, man. So what? You're nacho man? Are we talking? Are we talking nachis? I do like some nachos. Um, I, you know, I've I really enjoy more as more theaters are becoming like the here come to the movies and here's your dinner. Yeah, eat a cheeseburger. Uh, yeah, yeah. Eat a cheeseburger or, you know, a, a nice a spicy chicken sandwich or mm. Southwest um, chicken salad. I'm in favor of all of this. Yes. I, I really, any, any foods at the movies, good. Let me tell you what Ex- I fucking except hate about hot a, a dinner theater. Pickles? Though. Pickles? No. <laughs> no. No. There's a dinner because there's a dinner theater in my old hometown or in the town next to my old hometown. And we would go now and then. And uh, I do not like that um, they fucking, because of the way that it is, they uh, can't turn the lights all the way down. Oh, yeah. Because you're eating. And unfortunately, the lights have to be kept at a level that I think is, quite frankly, unacceptable. Um, And that sucks. So... At the few that are down here that are, are like the full-on dinner theater, they just they will turn the lights down, but you can only order food at to a certain point. So you can't just like, oh, you know, an hour into the movie, I'm gonna I hit my button and order a, another cheeseburger. Well, correct, um, but at the same time, first of all, I think it should be done off the phone. I don't know if they do it that way. Um, I haven't seen any that do it that way yet. I've most of the ones down here is you order before you go in. Yeah. Uh there are ones up here that do that, but they also send waiters and waitresses around, which is super annoying. Granted, they only I don't send like them that. they only send them around like during the previews and stuff like that, but still it's like, dude, like it's distracting. You gotta get out of here. And especially because we're at the point now where you can put the QR code on the table and have me scan it on my phone and then fucking just Make my order, you mean and, like, you, and you bring it to the table. Um, mean like every restaurant now. I I mean like I wish, dude. Can we talk about most, this? Can we talk about most this restaurants? No, oh, we have we no. Can we? Yes. Uh, can we our, talk our about last point? Can I? <laughs> yeah, uh, we do have to go at some point. I do not like to be served. 
uh, at a restaurant. Like perfect restaurant experience for me is legit like a Taco Bell. Um, but even better restaurant experience than that for me is the sit at the table, scan the QR code, order it on your phone, and then they just bring it to you when it's done. Fuck yeah to all that. I don't want you coming by the table and being like, do you want more water? Do you want this? Do you want that? Like, I'm trying to have a conversation and connect with a person across the table. Not even when I'm on a date. Like, even when I'm with friends or, quite frankly, even when I'm alone. Like, I I am uncomfortable with the idea of being served in that way. I, I feel like that's a thing that, like boomers and shit really fucking love but me like i don't i'm not really comfortable with that relationship to begin with and then on top of that like i would rather just not be fucking interrupted all the time but also the answer to the question unless i have completely finished my meal is yes i do want more water right all the time just bring me the pitcher and leave me alone yes Um, don't don't come by and ask me hey do you want another coke yes Yes. Clearly, I, my glass I, is empty. Right. If it's, you know, does that mean I'm going to so, leave the table with a full glass of Coke here? Probably. I mean, probably. Yeah, but maybe. Or I'm going to ask you for a to-go cup. Right. Uh, <laughs> now, if it's uh, if I am drinking beers, the answer is no, because I usually want to pick a different beer. Right. But, yeah. you know, if it's like I'm sitting at, at the, the Chili's and I ordered a Coke, just keep bringing them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and so generally uh I adore when I walk into a restaurant and and they're doing they're doing the phone shit. Fuck yeah. Like just let me order. And that's not to say that I think servers are completely pointless from an experience standpoint. It's just to say that I prefer the experience of not having to interact with a server at all. Especially in a day and age where like it can be done pretty easy. There was a taqueria on Exchange Street in Portland that was open for about five minutes. Restaurants, not an easy business to be in. Certainly not an easy business to be in in one of the restaurant hotspots in the country. Um, you got to fight to survive. And unfortunately, they just couldn't stay open. But they did that as their ordering mechanism. And I was like, this is great. This combines my two loves of tacos and being left alone. Um, and uh, that being said, I went there one time, you know. So that's why they're not there anymore. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Um, Nothing really pops into my mind. I know we are going to be re- rescheduling our um uh, fantasy football punishment coming up very soon i think it's going to be next weekend what happened it was is somebody couldn't eat a hot chip on a fucking sunday or whatever uh no my dad died oh right <laughs> <laughs> i just I, thought, I didn't know you were the one eating the hot chip this time i'm not but i'm i'm facilitating the stream and oh. the youtube video <laughs> so you know I had a little bit more important things on my hey, mind. Look, all, all the whole time <laughs> saying is I question your dedication to making someone eat a hot chip. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. Um, we're probably going to be doing it next weekend because uh, Chief Intern is going to be out of town, so I'm all by myself. And I need things to do. So we'll yeah. probably be scheduling that next weekend. Um, other than that, you know, go out, play some video games, enjoy life, you know, have fun. Call have your fun dad. People. Call your dad. Call your dad. If, if you, you like. If you have a good relationship with your dad, call your dad. Yeah. If, if you don't have a good relationship with your dad, call your dad and yeah, pick a fight. Try. Him, you know? No, um, don't do that. Just just <laughs> don't it just flat out. Just if if your dad's still with us and you have a decent relationship with him, just call him and tell him you love him. Yeah. <laughs> well shit. All right, man. Let's get out of here. If you're if you've been listening along to the show, if you've been enjoying what we've been doing the past few weeks, it's been good to be back. And to be exploring new, less uh, world-eating ways to do this show. And and if you've stuck with us, we love you. And we appreciate you being here. We'll be back next week with another episode of Seeing the Elite, a friendship podcast. Go out and change the world.